Somebody shut that piano player up. Shut him up. Yeah, shut him up. There you go. Thank you. Jeez. Always. That guy's always in my ear. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Tales from the Bent Tree Saloon. Today we'll be recording Season 2, Episode 5, titled Whiskey and Worms. And if that don't get your attention, I don't know what will. We're going to kind of circle back on a theme that we started in our last episode with some of the dumb stuff that me and my buddies did when we were growing up. A lot of it has to do with outside, like in the woods, kind of hunting, fishing, doing stupid stuff. Um, I think that y'all would agree that in the episodes that we've recorded up to this point, like you had to wonder, like, when is something really bad going to happen? And it might happen in this episode. Um, we've got a lot of good tales for you that talk about our escapades in the mountains of Colorado and uh, all the fun that we had. And and maybe once we had an incident that was bound to happen, right, just because of how reckless and careless we all were. But um, that'll be one to chew on later. Uh, I want to start with uh, a talk about we love to fish. We always love to fish. And we'd, we'd take the Bronco, um, either mine or, or docks, and we'd head on up, usually up just west of Colorado Springs, up towards 11 Mile Reservoir. Great place to camp and fish. And it wasn't that far. Um, had a lot of fun stuff to do along the way. Um, so uh, the first little story I'm going to talk about involves whiskey and worms. And, um, so we pack up usually on like a Friday afternoon and, and uh, head out West, like, uh, to spend a couple nights up at the reservoir and, and catch some fish, maybe stop at a couple spots along the way and, um, have a little whiskey or some beers. And, and, uh, so this one particular night we're, we're up just West of, West of, uh, uh, we're just west of Colorado Springs, probably Woodland Park-ish, a little bit west of Woodland Park. And there was a there were a couple of taverns up there that back in the day that you could stop at that were fun to uh, fun to stop in, have a few cold ones. They were rustic and woodsy and rough, and sometimes bikers and cowboys and all that fun stuff. So. Anyway, we're there one night, and with every intention of heading on up to um, Love Mile Reservoir to set up a camp and, and, and fish for a day or two, and one thing led to another, and we stopped in this saloon, and, and uh, man, we were lighting it up. Like, it was, there was a ton of people in there. Everybody was cool. I think they had a band playing, and we were, we were knocking back shots of whiskey left and right, and and uh, I'd be damned if it didn't like clock struck like midnight and it's like, holy crap, like it's midnight. And next thing you know, they're telling us like, hey, we got to close this thing down. It's pushing two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> We're like, okay, so now what? So we hadn't really prepared like at, normally we would be much more prepared than we were for this trip. And we didn't have any any cold beers in the truck 
And so we were able to convince the owner of this establishment to sell us a bottle of, uh, of scotch to take with us on the road, which was highly illegal and definitely a no-no back then. But um, the guy knew that we meant well and obviously didn't know that we'd already had our fill or he wouldn't have done that. And so we, he sold us a bottle of booze and we took it with us and ended up at 11 mile reservoir. And I don't know how we got in there. I don't know. I don't remember who drove. I don't remember even what vehicle we took. All I know is that when the bright sunlight of the late morning, and I'm saying late morning, like eight thirty, nine o'clock in the morning, late hit my face the front wheels of that vehicle were in the lake <laughs> and I'm surprised we didn't just drive right on in there and everybody drowned, but we didn't. And everybody was kind of out there just to sleep somewhere around the vehicle. And you talk about feeling poorly. Like there was, there was no hiding this hangover. That was a bad one. And there was a place just a couple minutes up the road where you could go eat breakfast. It was um, maybe maybe 15 minute drive from where we were camped ish. And everybody was hungry. Everybody needed to put that two pounds of uh, pancakes, eggs over easy, hash browns and toast in their gut to help slow down that hangover. And so we had intended to go fishing and in the cooler in, that we had in the truck was an empty bottle of scotch that we'd bought from the bar the night before and a tub of night crawlers. And we drove to this little restaurant to get some breakfast and in the parking lot, um, well, we went and we had breakfast. Everybody had a good breakfast. So sausage, bacon, eggs, hash browns, pancakes, you name it. They, we stuffed ourselves full and came back out to the truck. And Doc decides that for dessert, he's going to eat a night crawler. Now, he just had about a $12 breakfast. And the night before, he had about $400 worth of whiskey. <laughs> and he pulls a night crawl out of this night crawler tub. And it's covered in dirt and nasty and wiggly. And it's long, like about 12 inches long. And he stuffs that whole thing in his mouth and takes a big old bite on it. And you talk about atomic puke. I never seen anything like it in my life. It was like, and, whoa, don't be in the way of that, dude. And I'm like, what in the hell were you thinking? He said, man, I felt so bad that if I didn't do that, I was going to be sick for like two or three days. So I just got it out of the way right now. I'm thinking back on that going, you know, I really felt bad for a couple days after that trip. And uh, maybe Doc had something there where just going to chew on the night crawler right after eating breakfast and just dump it all out. And uh, and so he did. And uh, that, that's just one of those whiskey and worms, right? Like that's the title of the episode. So whiskey and worms. Um, so I've tried to keep uh, kind of things in, in chronological order as I've done the, the podcast. And we're at a point now where I almost would rather if things were, if things were things that are compatible, I'd like to talk about in the same episode, as opposed to stretching them out where they belong, like in, in the chronology. 
we're still going to be on that path. Like we're not going to deviate a bunch, but I think that, um, in this episode, if you really know us and know when things happen, you might scratch your head and go, yeah, that might happen. Not quite at the same time, but nobody else does. And so that's good for me. So I'm going to continue with whiskey and worms part two. Now, I've told you all about tuna in the past and tuna and I, when it comes to fishing, tuna and I were best fishing buddies. Like we fished a lot. We fished hard. We did everything that you could possibly do. Um, and uh, great fishing buddy, probably the best fishing buddy I I've ever had. And uh, so we're planning on going back to 11 mile and, uh, and we're going to, we're, we're going to go after some big, trout 11 mile had some nice big trout in it and and some big pike too but we we're going to focus on trout one day so i invited tuna over for dinner and we were gonna um we're gonna get everything packed up for our our fishing trip in the morning and um and then take it easy that night and go to bed well we needed night crawlers and the best way to get night crawlers where I lived was to put the sprinklers on in the yard and, and water the grass a lot and get it good and wet and get them night crawlers to come up for air. And uh, so we turned on the sprinklers about, oh, I don't know, maybe 7, 7.30 at night. Ate dinner, had a good old dinner. Tuna got in the truck and went home. I went downstairs, watched TV, had a couple beers, fell asleep on the couch. Woke up, it's about, oh, midnight. I hear the water running, and I'm like, damn, I've had the damn sprinklers on for like five hours. But I ought to be able to get out there and find some good old night crawlers. Well, I'm not thinking real good, right? Because it's late, and I probably had a couple drinks. And uh, I had on my underwear, and I went out in my underwear with a flashlight and a bucket and turned off the sprinklers and proceeded to crawl around out in the front yard looking for night crawlers with a flashlight at midnight in my underwear. And I'm not sure who actually called the cops, but somebody called the cops. I'm probably guessing it might have been my wife, but I can't prove that. And I would never accuse her of that anyway, but maybe it was her. Anyway, Old Barney Fife and his partner, I don't know, they, the cops pull up and we lived on a cul-de-sac. So like there's not through traffic and they pull up and I'm not paying any attention and they give the blue lights a whirl. And then the cop rolls down his window and says, and shines his light on, on me. And he's like, Hey buddy, what are you doing? So I'm outside. I have a flashlight. I'm sure that as I've been collecting worms, I've shined it into all of my neighbor's windows at least maybe a couple times if not more and i can see these cops are laughing their asses off because they know they got me dead to rights i'm in my underwear covered in dirt bucket full of night crawlers and a flashlight and the door is locked behind me i can't get in the house <laughs> so um so they give me a bunch of crap and they call my wife and she opens up the door and needless to say, I was 
really, really, really in the doghouse after that. But of all the stupid things I've done in my life, that might have been one of the dumbest. But funny because nobody got hurt. Kind of typical, just what were you thinking kind of mentality. But um, anyway, that's part two of whiskey and worms. And they don't really work well together, which is kind of the point. Like in both cases that didn't turn out well. Um, so we're going to stay on the theme of, um, of the camping, fish and hunting stuff. We loved camp. We would, didn't necessarily even have to be a trip for fishing or, or hunting. We'd just go camp out in the mountains. We did it all the time. So one particular trip, we decided we was going to go up towards, um, Winter Park area of Colorado, west of Boulder. Kind of, kind of hard to get to, but a lot of um, uh, national forest area up there to camp in and, and hang out. And on most of our trips, you know, it would just be the guys and a, and a truck or a Jeep or the Bronco. Um, nothing you could, I mean, unless you went off the side of a cliff, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, not going to get too hurt, right? Uh, and on this particular trip, somebody brought a dirt bike to run around on the fire roads in the national forest, which can be a little bit tricky. Um, they're not really meant for everyday traffic. They're not very well maintained. They're just basically a gut trail to get you from one point to another in case you had to fight a fire. So on this trip, I had, I mean, I've never had one before or since, but for some reason on the night that we were leaving on that trip, I had a migraine headache. Like my head hurt so bad. I thought I, 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 I don't know what I thought. It, I, I, it was miserable. I couldn't, I couldn't keep an eye. I had to like look with one eye. I couldn't drive. I couldn't, every little movement hurt. I had a, like a migraine. Somebody had a, decided that in one of the vehicles, we were going to throw this dirt bike. So we throw a dirt bike in the back and we go up and we set up a camp. I'm not much help that night. Like I felt terrible. Like I didn't drink any beers. All I did was just find a spot to lay down and just keep the movement to a minimum, kind of keep the rabbit eye movements to a minimum. Um, just trying to shake this headache. So morning comes and, you know, the rest of the gang had hit it pretty good the night before. And I hadn't, I hadn't felt good. And I heard the dirt bike start up and, so I'm, I'm like, who, well, who's, who's running the dirt bike this morning? And, and they're all like, well, Tuna is running the bike. So he's on the fire road and you can hear him running up one way. And then he turn around, come back and you can hear him zooming by the other way. And then back the other way. And like for half an hour, he's ripping up and down this fire road. And, and then the noise stops. Right. And, and he's not in camp and nobody's thinking real well except for maybe me so i'm like hey has anybody heard from tuna like where's he at they're like oh no like we haven't heard from him in a minute like it's been like a half an hour since he he rode by so i was like well we probably ought to go out and take a peek so we jumped in the bronco rode up the fire road probably 10 12 minute ride up the fire road and sure as hell, there's Tuna standing in the middle of the road. He's got a serious head injury. 
he's been bleeding all all over himself from so from top to down to about his waistline he's completely covered in blood and it's uh kind of an ugly situation so we found where the bike had left the road he'd hit a tree apparently with his head no helmet of course and uh but he's walking down the middle of the road so he wasn't dead and so we threw him into the I, I, this time i it wasn't the bronco i had a jeep cherokee uh on this trip and i uh so we got tim in the back seat and we had a CB radio that we could use to call out. And we said, hey, like we got somebody that's hurt really bad that's bleeding um, from the head and don't know what else is wrong. And and somebody said, well, there's an urgent care kind of thing um, not far from your location there outside of Winter Park. And so we went directly there. And when we got there, um, they took Tuna inside and tried to clean him up a little bit, but he had, he had hurt his, he had hurt himself pretty severely. They suspected they may have broken his neck, um, or a vertebrae up, you know, somewhere up the top there. Um, he clearly had a massive head injury with a lot of blood. They did their best to clean him up, but you know, this is the urgent care. It's not a hospital. So, um, they called for a flight for life and a helicopter flew in and, you know, the rest of us are kind of like standing there going, shit, like we still got stuff back out in the woods and um, we got a bike back there and Timmy's going to, Tuna's going to get in the helicopter and and fly down to Denver. So they flew Tim down to Denver um, and then we cleaned everything else up and got everything loaded back up and then we headed down there and, and, and got to the hospital and he was there for a minute. Like he had a whole bunch of stitches in his head um i can't remember it was a couple thousand stitches i think it was a lot it was many 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 stitches to put his kind of face back together um and he came home you know a few days later i'm pretty sure he had a bad concussion um it was a kind of a life-altering life-changing event for all of us right like up to that point, nobody had ever really gotten hurt, and um, and and this trip somebody did, and not really the best, right? So, um, a, a difficult time, difficult time for all of us, and most of these stories that I tell are all fun and games until somebody gets poked in the eye. Well, <laughs> on this trip, somebody got poked in the eye, so. Um, the good news is that nobody died and in none of these tales has anybody died, which is amazing to say the least, but um, that one was a little bit tough. Uh, today, I am happy to announce a new sponsor for Tales from the Bentry Saloon. The sponsor is uh, an up and coming um, franchise called The Precious Chef. Um, so I've got a, a, a quick spot to read through. Would you like to have a way to reinforce basic reading skills for your young children? How about stirring up fun and creating memories? With Precious Chef, you can do both. Precious Chef creates storybook recipe kits for kids and kids at heart, so you don't have to be a kid. 
In, in addition to the storybook directions, most if not all ingredients are included. All you need to prepare the recipes are a mixing bowl, a measuring cup, a, a mixing spoon, a sheet pan, and a microwave. It's easy, even for the youngest of chefs. If you want to learn more, visit our website at PreciousChef.com. Hit us up on Facebook at Facebook at Stirring Up Fun or Instagram, the underscore Precious Chef. You'll love it. Okay, uh, back to episode, season two, episode five whiskey and worms i've got about 10 minutes left i think i can squeeze two more stories in here um i'm gonna start with a place that perhaps scared me more than any place ever um ever 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 i last episode i told you about our trip where we traveled down the back side of a mountain outside of leadville colorado thinking that we would take mesquita pass but we weren't on it because it was snowed in so we just came down the mountain this place is pretty well known it's um it's called Chalk Creek Canyon, and it's south of Buena Vista a little bit. Uh, and there is a really, really, really difficult four-wheel drive trail. I don't even know if it's open anymore. It probably isn't. Um, that takes you up to a lake up in the mountains up outside of Chalk Creek Canyon. Um, so we had, at the time, the Bronco. And Doc had the CJ5, and we, between the two vehicles, we could pretty much go anywhere we wanted to go. So we pull up into Chalk Creek Canyon. There's a little town up there. I don't remember the name of it. It's not really a town. It's a one, it's a, it's a country store out in the middle of the woods. Um, and there's two old women that own that place that live there. So we stopped in and told them that we was going to head up to this lake. I believe the lake was called Bear Creek. I could be wrong. I don't remember the name, but I think that's what it was called. And we had to go up this trail and they said, well, good luck because a lot of people don't make it. And we were like, you know, when you're young, when you're 18, 19, 20, you're like, you're young, you can do, you know, you can make it. Yeah, I'm going to make it. So we got some supplies there in town, of course, some beers and whatnot, and made our way out to head on up the pass and, and head up to the lake. So you started by, once you got off the county road, you went literally through a river. And there was no, it wasn't, it was a crossing, but it wasn't like, a, no, you had to drive through the river and crawl across boulders to get from one side to the other. So just to get to the start of the trail was a chore. And once you got to the start of the trail, you looked up and it's just, it's, a, it's almost a straight up vertical road that just slightly turns to the left. On the left side of your vehicle is the rock face going up the canyon. And on the right side of your vehicle is like 700 feet straight down to your death. Literally. So I think Clay was in front and he was going. I was behind him. And I, I got through the crick okay, the river, not a crick. I got through the river okay. I got up to start the trail, but... I was struggling. I couldn't figure out why. I was really struggling to keep the, the, the Bronco going up the hill. It turns out at the end of the day that I didn't have it in four-wheel drive. I had it in two-wheel drive and hadn't locked the hubs. And so, duh, like what an idiot. But um, I, we got about halfway up the thing, up the hill, and 
I was sliding and I couldn't get the Bronco to go and the front right tire slid off the edge of the road and the guy that was in the passenger seat, a good, good friend of ours from Canada named G, um, he was like freaked out and opened up the door and jumped out. Well, when he opened up the door and got out, like he went straight down about 15 feet and he came back up and leaned his head in the Bronco and was like, dude, you're screwed. Like you're ready to go over the edge of a cliff and you're ready to go down about 800 feet. It was at that moment that we realized we hadn't engaged the four-wheel drive. So we put the, the Bronco in four-wheel drive. And I said, everybody get out and everybody stand uphill with me. And I'm going to crawl my way back down backwards with it in four-wheel drive until I get enough traction on that right front wheel to pull me back up onto the road path. And if not, I'm just going to go down the hill. <laughs> and... Uh, it took a minute, but we really ended up dodging a huge bullet there that day because I was able to get it back on the road and then went just back all the way back down to the river, turned around, went through the river and ended up camping for a couple of days down in the canyon. Um, never did make it up to that reservoir, but probably better that we didn't. So last but not least, um, I've got I've got two stories I could tell. I'm going to save one. I'm going to save one for another episode because it, it may be the single best story that um, I have in my entire arsenal of stories. Um, and it'll be the title of my next episode, which is going to be called Deliverance Creek. And but before we get to that, I'm going to start or leave. I'm sorry, leave you with the last little tale for today. And it's called Fuck Bob. What would you do that for? Um, and it includes friends of mine named Begsy, Eddie, and Tuna, and a camping trip we took, again, up towards Lebanon, um, out outside of Colorado Springs. And so we wanted to go fishing, and we wanted to camp, and we went up, we went up into, um, outside of, of Woodland Park, and we thought, you know, up on this hillside, so we were up up by the river um, that comes out of Lemon Mile, and we found a place that looked really good to camp, and it was on the other side of a bridge across the river, um, kind of a gravel road, but a nice bridge across the river, and and we so we made camp up up there, and it was you know pretty slick, like we always did a good job making camp. So we got. A fire going. Now, my buddies are younger than me a little bit. Probably shouldn't have been buying them beers at the time, but I did. Um, and so we had, you know, pretty good cooler full of beers going and fire going and camp all set up and everything was great. And it's getting late at night. It's like probably around 1130 midnight, somewhere in there. And up the road you can see some lights coming in you can hear this vehicle that's it sounds like it's it's a you know it's it's mufflered up to make it loud right so exhaust system on it's pretty good you can hear it roaring as it coming up the gravel road well our campsite was just on 
one side of the bridge. On the other side of the bridge, we saw this this Bronco coming up, and he's hauling ass, and he misses a turn really bad, and he smokes that Bronco into the guardrail of the bridge. And it, I mean, it's we're right there. We're literally like I don't know, a couple three hundred feet from the rack, and. <laughs> You see a bunch of scrambling because it's pitch black. It's midnight. And the first thing that I hear is, fuck, Bobby, what'd you do that for? And you can hear this guy go, I didn't do it on purpose. It just happened. And they're arguing and yelling, screaming. They're like, we got to get out of here before the cops come. And so they turned around and drove off. I, I think that vehicle was pretty well tore up. Somehow they were able to get out of there. Well, my Bronco was parked up by my campsite. Now, it had been in a collision, not that weekend prior to that. And it was on the other side. It was on the wrong side. So Bobby had wrecked his vehicle, whoever Bobby was, the fuck Bobby, what did you do that for, Bobby? Had wrecked his vehicle and he'd hit the driver's side front fender into the fence and you could see which way it was going and it was pretty clear what happened and uh, and mine was on the other side so my front right fender was damaged and wouldn't have matched long story short state patrol shows up colorado division of wildlife shows up we're not camped in a legal campsite so immediately they're pissed and they think that i wrecked into the guardrail and after a short discussion with the game warden and the state patrol they were like you're right that's exactly correct I hope you haven't been serving beer to these miners um, and, and have a nice day and taking the cue like I should. We immediately broke camp, put everything in the back of the Bronco and headed on home. And with that, I'm at about 30 minutes. Uh, so next episode, I can't wait to tell you all about Deliverance Creek. It's going to be the best 